Hello, and welcome to the Midtown Podcast, Conversations for Curious People. My name is Trevor, I'm your host, and I am really excited about the topic that we're getting into uh, for this next month. And for the next couple of episodes, we are going to talk about heaven. Uh, I've got my friend Tyson Gusman is going to be back on with us, and this is a topic that he and I touched on briefly at the end of our last conversation about community, but I've also invited my friend Carly Bartlett. She is a pastor, a speaker, a fellow podcaster, and really, really excited to get her thoughts and perspectives on heaven. And here's the deal, why we're talking about this, at some point in everybody's life, I think that we have all contemplated what heaven is like. Just hearing the word heaven conjures up a myriad of mental images. I don't know, for some it could be clouds, angels with harps, or streets of gold. And for many of us, our concept of heaven has a religious connection. But the question that I want to ask is, what has shaped our concept of heaven? And do our beliefs about heaven have any impact on how we live our lives right now? And without any further ado, let's jump into this episode. Um, man, I'm so excited. I got Tyson. And not that I'm not excited to have you. Yeah. But I'll... Okay. I hear that a lot. Okay. <laughs> I am. I just... I'm also really, really excited to have my friend Carly. Hi, Hi. Carly. Hi. Glad you're, to be here. You're here. I know. Um, thanks for being here. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, you guys. Yeah. Uh, can you just share a little bit about yourself? Yes. Well, I'm Carly Bartlett and I am a wife. I'm married to my husband, Mike, and he is a devoted Gonzaga basketball fan. That's like <laughs> mm-hmm. almost mm-hmm. one of oh, his yeah. main like identity markers. In fact, a couple of years ago, the Zags played North Carolina and I'm hardcore North Carolina yes. and we had a fun time together. Yeah. <laughs> Some banter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the Tar Heels won. Sorry. They did. Oh, geez. Okay. That was sad. Sorry. Well, it's all right. Yeah. It's all right. Mike recovered after a couple days. Okay. Uh, but he's also a college professor, and we have two sweet girls, ages seven and two, and they are keeping us on our toes always. This morning, our oldest daughter came out with this beautiful Anne of Green Gables book that I had bought for her, and it was covered in like gack slime stuff oh, like yeah. covered it's not it, the, it's never to it's never to be fixed so you know there's just always exciting things but they are so fun and sweet and vivacious yeah and yeah they're just great um yeah and then i am a pastor and uh ordained elder in the church of the nazarene Woo. Yes, and yeah. I uh, just finished my MDiv from Nazarene Theological Seminary. I'm a pastor, like, oh, I already said that, and I'm a speaker, and I also have a podcast. Uh-huh. It's uh-huh. called Ditching Perfection. I am a recovering perfectionist, as Brene Brown says, and so I just have lots of conversations with friends about how God is inviting us to pursue wholeness instead of trying to have it all together. This is great. So here we are. That's one of our core values, authenticity over perfection. Love it. Yeah. It's so important. It all back. I, sh- I feel like I should clarify why I wooed a moment ago. That was a, <laughs> a weird time to woo. Uh, but I was at the ceremony oh, when you nice. were ordained. And so I was, I, when you said that, I was calling back to the moment in my head where I was like, hip, hip. And then everybody said, hooray. I don't know if you remember oh. that part, but that's. <laughs> I don't, but yay. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. It was such a meaningful experience. I, I feel like a lot of people have talked about ordination being really meaningful, but just to have like in our tradition, we have. Um, ordained elders just 
gather around any any ordained elder who's there gather around and pray for the newly ordained person and just to have all of these people there that I some I know very well and some that I don't know at all but just to have all these people going we are with you we believe in you and you're not alone in ministry because sometimes yeah. ministry can feel a little lonely and mm-hmm. challenging and so to have that reminder that we're we get to link arms together. It was just great. And look, we get to link arms even today on the podcast. Love I just it. appreciate you guys. Yeah. This, this is, is so great. This is an audio format, so the, the listeners don't know that we are all sitting here with linked arms right now. Yeah. Literally. Very, yeah. Literally. Pretty tight. We're the whole sharing time. Sharing one microphone. <laughs> Sweaty elbows. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Um, okay. Well, just really excited to have you on. Thank you. Um, and, and yeah, give, give your perspective on something that I think is really important. Hmm. Um, so this is conversations for curious people. These are conversations that I have, by the way, you know, ask questions because you're the people that we want to be curious with. And so uh, the more you ask questions, the better this podcast is. The topic is heaven. And I don't think that this is like a common conversation that you hear just, you know, at the flying am or something. It, it feels like, uh Maybe because I'm a pastor's kid and because I have lots of conversations with my dad about theology and all that stuff and the circles that we run in, this is this is more of a conversation that happens probably within the church. However, I think everybody, everybody has a concept or a perspective of heaven. I don't know. Like at least Tom and Jerry do. <laughs> I think about that yeah. all the time that like it's it's not just a religious phenomenon, but like right. we, we have this concept. It's a, It's a common cultural understanding that like, you know. There is an episode of Tom and Jerry where, I don't know, one of them goes to heaven. It's yeah. super weird. But then, like, I mean, I think about things like The Good Place, which mm-hmm. is like yeah. a show that's about heaven. And hilarious. It's very And very so good. funny and thoughtful. Mm. Um, and so, so talking about heaven, I still want to go back to this idea of maybe we've talked about this before. Orthodoxy, orthopraxy, orthopathy, um, right beliefs, right behavior, right attitude. Our beliefs... Is, uh, this is my conviction. Our beliefs shape our behavior. They inf- strongly influence our behavior. Right. And so I, I believe there are implications to our belief system about heaven or about uh, when this is all done or when we die. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's why I want to talk about this. I really do think it has implications on how we live right now. Mm-hmm. Am I wrong in that? No. I mean, expand anybody. I think you're totally right. And there's, but yeah, it's kind of this interesting, daunting conversation. Like when you texted me and said, Hey, Carly, would you want to be on the podcast and talk about heaven and earth? I'm like, Oh my goodness. Like that's a (laughs) humongous conversation. But I do think, um, yeah, especially in what God has been teaching me in the last couple of years, which we can talk through that in a few minutes. Yeah. I do think it really, the way that we think about heaven does change the way we live now. And if we're not willing to think about it and stretch our minds to really expand to see what God has to say about it, then we're like limiting um, mm-hmm. what God wants to do now. This is an interesting idea. I may cut this if it doesn't work or we may keep it. Um, I don't want this to sound like a rhetorical question. It might. But where do most people get their idea of heaven? It, especially like American Christians. Mm-hmm. Where, where does it come from? Tom and Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> Hold strong. <laughs> Hold strong. <laughs> the good place. No, but if we all have some sort of idea of, of what it is, like, wouldn't doesn't it come from the Bible? I think yes and no, because I think we, 
maybe pluck certain things out of scripture that we find to feel like that that that's comforting to us in the ways that we want some sort of concrete answer but then we end up fabricating it and like blowing it up to be something that it's actually not and missing the gift of what God is actually trying to communicate to us. But um, to answer your question, I was thinking about this, uh, that I, growing up, I feel like songs in the in the church oh really hymns. kind of formed what i would think i remember my dad was in this little like gospel quartet for a while and as like a second grader i was at his little rehearsal and they were singing i'll fly away yep. oh glory mm-hmm. i'll fly away we talked about right this. yeah and so you know that's like the concept and then we also have like uh when we all get to heaven uh-huh. day of rejoicing that will be right yeah i think those songs really start to spark our imagination of what we think heaven is and then all of a sudden we're constructing heaven to be this place where there's cotton candy clouds and <laughs> you know golden streets oh, and we pearly didn't even gates talk about care a lot care uh, the care bears did nobody watch that oh wait i yeah but i can't remember what are you talking about the clouds yeah they lived in care and that everything was made of clouds yeah okay did i can try to picture it so, no, I didn't watch Care Bears. He's, he's younger than us. Trevor. These are all little <laughs> bears that have um, different emblems on their tummies. Mm-hmm. I have. I was going to say stomachs, the but they're tummies. They're tummies. Yeah, uh, yeah and tummies. they shoot out the light. And then whenever like there's like despair or no, like uh, if somebody's doubting or they're sad, they do a Care Bear stare mm-hmm. uh, where they all get together and they all shoot light out of their <laughs> of their like particular <laughs> gift or whatever. Wow, I don't know. I mean, yeah. how how deeply biblical and Christian that like I mean, first of all, I. Think think about like we talk about the heart being the seat of emotion but like in, biblically it's like the, the liver gut. Yeah. yeah yeah and so like just this seat of emotion shooting encouragement out the care bears were they yeah. were i was gonna say way ahead of their time but no like extremely ancient they understood <laughs> yeah yes. <laughs> yes okay but, but yeah, yes we have that idea that it's like this little place where we can like eat all we want and sing songs <laughs> and bounce around on the clouds like Mario, you know, and Luigi. <laughs> and I'm like, where do we get that from scripture? I don't know. But but I think some of these things culturally, whether they're Tom and Jerry cartoons or, you know, little angels that we see in kids movies, whatever, mm-hmm. then all of a sudden we start having this idea of heaven that is so yeah. far off yeah. from us. And that's like not what God is trying to tell us in scripture. Mm-hmm. I think what I was asking about the Bible is, like the core, the foundation of it. Like I, I think what you were saying is exactly true. Where you you pull bits and pieces, and then you end up fabricating something. But I guess I'm wondering, without the Bible, do we have as much of an idea of heaven as we do now? I don't know if the if the Bible actually does shape. Like you think about everybody walking around has some sense, like we were saying, of what of of an idea of heaven or an an afterlife is is oftentimes what is connected to the idea of heaven have most people actually really looked at scripture or do Mm -hmm. they just assume or is it like a cultural cultural narrative now that we're living in rather than like the biblical narrative Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i also think like with any um like common cultural theme it's really really hard to get to like what you would like calling the root of something or like this is the foundation or something like that because we have all these different influences and like even like early christianity you have jewish uh, like apocalyptic influences but you also have like platonic ideas and then we have augustine and then we have uh 
like Bonaventure. And then uh, like you get to today, not only do we have um, like a lot of different world religions pouring in, but we also have like the influence of modernity and like the God of deism being a somewhat different God than, uh, than Yahweh. And so you have like what I think heaven, like we think about like what the highest good would be. And so then you get like more ideas of what like a different highest good for a different God would be. So I think it's really hard to pin down like there's there's one thing, but you can definitely I think you point to like a lot of our language and a lot of our influences, I, I would guess come from the Bible. Like I think a lot of times we have the idea of like pearly gates come a lot, being in the sky, which very biblical. This is what this is great. Mm-hmm. Streets of gold. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, mansions, mm-hmm. many rooms. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. P- Peter is all, like the watchdog for some reason. He's the bouncer. Oh, yeah. He's always out in front. <laughs> Every single joke I've heard. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yep. Guy goes up to heaven, talks to St. Peter. St. Peter. There yeah. he is. Yeah. Um, I think, I, I feel like what I was driving at, though, is what you said, Carly. Like, if, especially Protestant evangelical, you have, we've we've shaped some perspective, some idea about heaven through the Bible, but not through the entire narrative. So here's a question for both of you guys. What has been your relationship or understanding of heaven and how, like from early on, how did it develop? Where are you now? Yeah, I think um, the f- the first interaction regarding heaven that I remember, uh, when I was a kid, I was talking to my parents about heaven. And I think what I said to them, I, I was probably like six. And I think what I said to them was like, um, yeah, heaven, it's like, it's like you're dreaming because that was the analog that I had of like, when you are sleeping, you're dreaming when you're dead, heaven is like a dream. Um, and they were like quick to correct me and be like, no, like heaven is heaven is better than anything you could ever imagine. And then that is like, that feels like the refrain that I got throughout my like childhood and, and being raised was like, heaven is better than anything you could ever imagine. Um, and so that was kind of like where I, where I began, um, I think that like, as I started to dive more into, uh, scripture and especially actually in, um, like an, uh, like a church, the theology of the church class that I took with Brent Peterson, mm-hmm. um, the idea of the resurrection was presented to me as something that's distinct from the way that we often talk about the afterlife. Um, and that was a real turning point for me of going, oh, like this this thing is important. This like body, this world, this like created order. Um, and that kind of sort of began reshaping what my like understanding of, of heaven is. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. I feel like I have some similarities to that. Like there's just the idea of, Oh, it's just the best place ever. You can't even imagine and wrap your brain around how wonderful it will be. And the goal is to get there. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I feel like so often the, the things that I felt, like not necessarily like from my parents, but just kind of dominant dominant narratives in my life is like, okay, we follow Jesus, we surrender our life to Jesus because then when we die, we can go up to heaven. Mm. But the more that I am learning about God and on my own journey and learning about scripture, I'm realizing that like if we are so fixated on someday, that's the end goal, then I feel like it robs us of our living with great intentionality and the God-given purposes that he, that God has for us now. Mm. And it's not like heaven is almost seen as this great escape. 
Mm-hmm. But I don't think that that is really the way that God designs for us to live. And if we choose to think of it as a great escape, then what do we do? We can sit back and twiddle our thumbs and wait. Um, or we don't really care about caring for creation or others. As long as I've got that golden ticket, then I'm good. <laughs> and I and that is, I feel like, really robbing us of what God has for us here and now. And I think this is the struggle, even with younger people, this whole idea of deconstruction is that now I'm learning, I'm introduced to new information, and now what else is not true? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I have to deal with this. And so like, you know, Tyson, when you're in this class with Brent, um, how shocking was it? Yeah, I um, I think for me, one of the things that uh, I always look for in good, like, like really good teaching is that the gospel never takes away something that it doesn't offer something in its place. Um, so when I look at, um, yeah. The any, reconstruction. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, reconstruction, I guess, would be the, the good shorthand for that. Yeah. Um, so I think one of the, like, the benefits of the way that that class was graciously taught by Dr. Peterson was this idea. He said this phrase, I, I don't think he'll be bothered by me repeating it. I love this phrase. Um, he said, heaven's going to be a lot like church. So if you don't like church, you can go to hell. I think that's so funny. Um, <laughs> so obviously saying it very jokingly, but this idea that like what he's offering is uh, like a conception of the afterlife that is, uh, that our life on earth is supposed to mirror. And so I think one of the dangers of deconstruction is that um, you don't you don't get that Indiana Jones type swap where you, you're you replaced with something. It's almost like if you watch that movie backwards, it's replacing the, the artifice with something real. Oh yeah, oh man, this is, that's great. If you can't, you can't see Tyson. If you can't, if you can't, <laughs> uh, we know you can't. Um, but I'm remembering, is, doesn't he even grab a skull? Yes, he grabs like, a, I think it's a golden skull and replaces it with a with a sack of sand or, or gold coins or something yeah, like yeah. that. So here's the question. If that's the artificial, again, how did we get to the artificial? I think for me, I do remember several times hearing messages about the goal being heaven. And even, even in my adult life, like hearing these things in the last several years, last five, six, seven years and being like, wait, okay, but like, what do we do now? Where's the hope now? And I do think people are so hungry for hope and so hungry for a concrete answer that what we have created about heaven feels like this concrete answer, this like I'll fly away into glory thing because this world feels really, really uh, unsettled Mm -hmm. and broken. And so it's almost like hard for our brains to think about how there will be restoration here. Hmm. So we're like, okay, well, just I'm gonna just wait for the restoration <laughs> up in the clouds. Hmm. And that gives us a great, some sense of hope, but I think it's a compromised picture of the hope that God actually has for us. But it's a quick answer. I think it's an easy, yeah. easy answer because it's totally, um, it's not it's not looking at how to repair where we are there's that implication part of if i believe there's the kind of the idea if i if i do enough good or if i stay away from enough bad Mm. um then i will go to heaven and so in that sense you know we've talked about this a little bit like it turns into just sin avoidance Mm. which is not doing anything so i won't drink i won't smoke i won't i mean i'm laughing because now 
a little bit of the Nazarene church. I won't dance. <laughs> I won't use playing cards. Yeah. I won't like, I won't, I won't, I won't. Mm-hmm. And for me immediately, I end up going to the parable of the good Samaritan with these people that walked past somebody and they just didn't, they didn't do anything and they avoided. And mm-hmm. Jesus is pretty harsh to say, mm. no, uh, that's not it. I think it's sin avoidance, but it, then I think that we can easily fall into, um, world avoidance. Mm. Oh where it's yeah. Like, I am separation. Just, yeah. Like uh, we, we just want to back up. We want to cross our arms and be in these like holy huddles. So we want to avoid sin and get our ticket punched to 10,000 feet where, you know, you're free to roam about the cabin, whatever. <laughs> um, but then that's funny. Like we also then want to avoid the world. And I think that that uh, framework of the idea of heaven of, um, of sin avoidance then also goes well yeah we can't be in this in this world and get like contaminated and Um, our kids get contaminated and yeah so let's do the night Shyamalan village makes sense (laughs) uh we talked about this though this is this is the version of tribalism from the church Mm. right Mm -hmm. we were talking uh about community and the difference between community and tribalism is that community you're united about what you're for and tribalism is united about what you're against. Mm-hmm. So then you have these local churches that are against the world and against anybody that's that that thinks differently than us. Yeah. And so because our goal is to go to heaven, mm-hmm. we're not going to be a part of any of it. Mm-hmm. We're going to build up these walls. We're going to have our little services. Yeah. I feel like I'm sounding harsh, but but I think that that's a that's an implication. What did yeah. we call them? Philosophical. Yeah, it's one possible philosophical consequence. Oh, yeah. A, a PPC. <laughs> PPC. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. This reminded me of another place that I think I've, uh, I have heard about this, this concept of heaven. And that is like, um, it's sermons to kids and to teens, especially because in oh. trying to get young people to understand the gospel, um, one of the methods that I feel like is used a lot is like the idea of delayed gratification. Mm. because there's it's like i know that you feel like like stealing that toy or um i don't know like like taking too many marshmallows or whatever is gonna like is gonna be a a better life for you but i promise that if you don't do that heaven is going to be better than what you missed out on which is like i i understand why that would have come into being for young people because often training young people to behave as human beings in the world is about delayed gratification. Like it is mm-hmm. like, Oh, Hey, like be kind to people and you'll have friends. Like it, it, there's some easy lessons like that, but it's not the gospel, um, the way that I understand it. And so I think that, yeah, I wonder if, if that's sort of a, a message that we preach a lot and going just like, and yeah, especially for teenagers, like I know like drugs, sex, rock and roll, it's all out there. <laughs> But if you don't do it, then. And at some point, maybe in this conversation, we get, and if you do it, you're going to hell. Yeah. yeah. Or if, unless you repent at a certain time. Oh, that just brought back a really weird memory for me that like when I was a kid, I would, I was in Sunday school once and we were talking about prayer. And one of my, uh, one of my friends was like, yeah, I just ask God to forgive my sins every day, just in case. <laughs> and I was like, that's really smart. That's really smart. <laughs> Because I remember, like, this was like a thing for me when I was a kid. That I, there were like bumper stickers that I saw in Christian bookstores that said things like, um, "Many who repent at the eleventh hour die at ten fifty nine. Oh dear! Yeah, 
<laughs> it's so, so morbid. Yeah, but like that's the the argument that's being set up is like, oh, like I'll repent of my sins after I sin them, and God's keeping a cosmic tally, and so I I'll just I'll just wait until like the end of my life, and then it's like, oh, well, you died too soon. What if that happens? Oh, it's like you dear. can't see it coming. Yeah, it's a very real perspective. Yeah, though I think. I mean, it made money for Christian bookstores. Yeah, it yeah. did. I mean, there's the classic, yeah, if you died tonight, do you know where you would go? Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So if that's not it, what what is it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I feel like I have so much to learn in this area, so I'm not an expert. But one of the things that I feel like has been really helpful from Dr. Tim Mackey from The Bible Project, he talks about how heaven... He's my man crush. I, just, oh, I mean... He's like so... My, my theologian crush, I guess so I should say. so smart and so able to like make things like it understandable for for all of us but he talks about how heaven sorry i'm getting pouring some, coffee I'm, I'm getting some new heaven in my new cup <laughs> um but how he, so dr tim Mackey talks about how when we think about heaven and earth they're like two different spaces in scripture yes we talk about the heavens and we read about the heavens but and and it does kind of uh, call call forth images of of the sky, but I think that that was what the what the biblical writers at the time knew to say to articulate that God is in a different realm, like God is exalted, and so heaven we can think of it more as like instead of this place in the sky with fluffy clouds, we can think of it more as like God's space, mm. yeah. and then earth is our space, and there are there are places where they overlap, and like in the Garden of Eden they were those venn diagrams were completely together like that was there was partnership there was the relationship between humanity and god was not broken and then brokenness entered the picture but that didn't mean that heaven and earth were completely separate like we see god's presence and relational connection with the people of israel all throughout the old testament and then when jesus came he said the kingdom of heaven is at hand and so here he was, God in flesh, announcing that the kingdom of heaven was where he was and mm-hmm. he was walking on the earth. Mm-hmm. And so I think for us to reshape this idea of heaven is this far, far away in the place in the clouds and God is like far from us to see that the whole goal and we and we read it all throughout the scripture and, and the biblical narrative is that the goal and what God is currently doing and and doing through us his his people is to bring those two spaces back together Mm. for restoration Mm. and that gives us great purpose now instead of just sitting back and waiting for their golden ticket to be punched we get to be a part of this great restoration story that's not about sin avoidance or world avoidance but it's about being open to partnering with the holy spirit in us to bring about heaven and like I'm getting on a, on a roll, but you know, in like the Lord's prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why would Jesus say and teach his disciples to pray that way if the, if the two spaces were always going to be completely mm. torn apart? Mm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. So question for you about that, because I just, I think about, um, this is uh, like a, the Lord's Prayer is something I've approached in this conversation and, and kind of like had to think critically about when I was when I was young because another, like an alternative interpretation of that, um, if you're keeping heaven far away, mm-hmm. is that like, oh, but eventually 
we're, we're praying like, oh God, like end all this soon. Like, mm. like wipe it all out soon. Establish your kingdom soon so that, so that we can fly away, oh glory. Right. So, so what are some of the, I don't know, like intricacies of that interpretation or, or what are the both sides of that? Yeah. So we can definitely think of it as, I think it could be a both and where we say, you know, we believe that Jesus is going to come again and make all things new. And, you know, we read that a lot in, in the book of Revelation, which I love, and I'll probably talk about that pretty soon. Yeah. But I, I, so yes, there's like a hope for the future, but that hope gives us, that futuristic hope also informs our hope now. Mm. And, you know, when Jesus was on earth, I think he was going, look, the kingdom of heaven is here. And and we oftentimes hear the phrase like the kingdom of heaven is is here, but it's not yet. Like it's not fully realized. Mm -hmm. But when we see how Jesus interacted with people and the hope that, that he was giving them and then the commission that he gave to his followers, us, then that informs the fact that we do have great purpose in the here and now. And when we pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're not thinking of heaven as the sky uh, with cotton candy clouds. We're thinking of heaven as God's space. So like, God, your reign, your space, we want your rule and reign, your greater restoration story to be a reality here and now. Mm. And I see that too in Jesus, like, you know, in in John 1 where he says, or where we read that Jesus was the word and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That is the idea of Jesus came and tabernacled among us. You know, so in Old Testament, we read that there's all these temples and tabernacles where God, you know, the presence of God was was known to be. But then Jesus came and said, I am that. And he didn't stay in this little secluded place away from the world. Like Jesus was out in the places where the religious leaders thought, oh, I will never go there. I can never interact with those people. And Jesus said, okay, I am going to create these spaces and places where heaven and earth will meet. Um, and then he said to his followers, go do the same thing. So I think just seeing the whole biblical story and the life and teachings of Jesus then inform us that of how to pray. I think mm. uh, it's so easy sometimes for us to get to pluck things out of scripture. Yeah. And and I know I can do that too sometimes. But if we really keep studying the whole biblical narrative, then I think some of these themes start to start to become all the more clear for us. Mm. Yeah. Yep. The kingdom of heaven. That was a major theme of Jesus. I mean, yes. he talked about it all the time. All the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and I, it, that it feels like yeah, if you're if you're holding on to um, that that version of heaven being somewhere distant and somewhere where I go, you, it feels like you have to wrestle with what Jesus is saying about the kingdom of heaven being here. I wonder this this may be off topic, but I I wonder if sometimes because of how miraculous Jesus' death and resurrection was, do we sometimes miss out on his life, hmm. the way that he lived? No, I, I think I think you're right. I think especially um, in like in Western traditions, we have focused and emphasized a lot more, um, especially Jesus' death. Actually, I think like in my upbringing, the most important part about Jesus was that he died for your sins, um, which there are a lot of senses in which 
that statement can be helpful and a lot of senses in which that statement might not be as helpful. Um, cause I think about like the, I'm in the comedy world a lot and people like will joke about stuff like this and they'll say yeah. things like, um, like what, like God made up this whole system where then he had to go and, and kill his son. Like that feels like a problem that it's like the, um, the argument of divine child abuse has been used. Yeah. Um, so uh, N.T. Wright has said that too, like for some, there's some faith traditions if that maybe lean more fundamental or legalistic and they, and if he said, it feels like they twist it to say God so hated the world that he killed his only son versus oh, wow. God loved the world that he gave his only mm-hmm. son. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that, 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 um, sort of sentiment exists in a lot of, a lot of different degrees in a lot of different ways. Um, but yeah, I think often when we, when we, f- uh, narrow down the gospel just to Jesus died for our sins. We do miss out on the, uh, the absolute like wonder of the idea that the God of the heavens would be born. Like being born is gross. <laughs> You're, yeah. It's awful. And so like the God, like the God of the universe would like learn a language and a culture and, and learn to walk like is insane. Um, but does this to, to be with us. Mm-hmm. And then like the resurrection is this whole, I mean, I'm sure that we'll talk more about that in a moment, but uh, we, we miss out on a lot of, of what the gospel means and, and can mean for us. And it goes back to what we were saying about um, the idea that our beliefs influence our behavior. I think these two exist in kind of a back and forth relationship that our behavior also influences our beliefs, the way that we practice in church, like this, this shapes how we think. And so I think about like the songs that we choose to sing shape what we believe. Oh man, I was just talking to Bree about this. Um, the I hate calling people out, but there's there's a really interesting song. It's the Defender. You you go before oh, me yeah. and you you bring back the head, the head of, of my, my enemy, enemy. and yeah. it's like this ballad. It's like this love ballad. Mm-hmm. And I was like that that's an Old Testament idea. And if you're singing that right now with somebody who who's brand new to to Christianity, you're like what cult did I just get involved in mm-hmm. and what is your leader going to do and I feel like you can go to prison for that yeah um, uh, yeah and then we but then we sing it and and but it, there's some it's it's shaping our belief system right uh, yeah yeah and so our yeah when we talk about um, the idea of like oh like does this does this concept of heaven miss the mark I think what we just to really specify what we mean by that is like this like this belief uh, points to certain behaviors and certain actions and certain attitudes. Is that the kind of person that we want to be? Is that the kind of person that, that we think Christ is calling us to be? Yeah. And so, yeah, just to kind of, I don't know. I, I wanted to, I wanted to mention that while we're in this conversation of when we're looking at different ideas of heaven, where we're looking at different, um, ways that we emphasize different aspects of Jesus, life, death, and resurrection. Uh, what do we want to emphasize so that we become the kind of people that we feel that Christ is calling us to be? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love and that. I think too, we have to keep the focus on the entire story of Jesus. And so if we say Jesus and we believe that Jesus conquered sin and death, he did that through self-giving love. And we see that not just on the cross. We see that I mean, the cross was the great culmination, but we see that in the ways that he served the people that he interacted with on the margins and the ways that he talked to the the Pharisees, right? Like we see this self-giving love and, you know, going back to your example of the, that song with the head of the enemy, we, we see this 
idea of victory and conquering through the lens of the ways that we we see this happening in the world. Mm. But yes, there's a lot of language in Revelation about conquering, but the conquering always comes through self-giving love. It's not through this like power conquest, I'm going to cut people's heads off like that's nasty and that's just (laughs) not the way that it is and but we have to keep bringing forth our cultural lenses taking them off and going god help me see through your perspective because if not we can get on our high horses and um, bring our culture and our norms and then try to force them into scripture to make sense and then that's just not being responsible with our reading and our living yeah yeah Okay, I hope you have loved this conversation so far and you found it interesting and helpful. We are about to get into uh, talking about the book of Revelation. Now, I know that that can be scary for some people, can be really exciting for others, but I I love where this conversation goes. And so I hope that you will come back in a couple weeks and join us for the second part of this conversation.